the book of Revelation, chapter 2, if you would please. Revelation chapter number 2. Well, it's a blessing to be here. I've enjoyed the day. Enjoyed all them hot dogs and ice cream. That's a good combination. Hot dogs and ice cream. <coughs> heard this story about this lady. She told her husband, she said, honey, she says, uh, he said, what do you want for your birthday? She said, well, you know what? If I could have anything I wanted, I'd like to be six again. And she said, he said, well, I'm going to make that happen for her. And so, boy, he, uh, he took her to an amusement park, and, and they went roller skating, and they went bowling, and, and they ate popcorn and hot dogs and ice cream and cotton candy and snow cones. And they got home that night, and, and she was so tired, her feet hurt, she was sick to her stomach. And he says, well, baby, how does it feel to be six again? He said, I didn't, and she told him, she says, honey, I didn't mean the age six. I meant the, eight, the size six, all right? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <Amen>. man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Revelation chapter number two. <clears throat> well, as you're turning there, let me just take a couple moments here and kind of lay just a little bit of groundwork. The Apostle Paul, I mean, excuse me, the Apostle John is a human author of this book, and he is in prison on the Isle of Patmos. Patmos would be like, if you was compared to today, it'd be like a modern-day Alcatraz. And he was there as a prisoner, and he was a prisoner there for preaching the gospel. While he was there, the Lord came to him and gave him this book, the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, and the Lord gave him this book to uh, gave him this book and to uh, to look into the future. And he saw some things. And as he was seeing some things, he starts off in this book by by seeing churches. And he wrote letters to each one of these churches. And these churches were literal churches. But I also believe that these churches, each one of them, represent a time period into his future. And he is looking into the future and he begins to speak there and, and he prays and he speaks to each one. He starts off with the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus is a church that was uh, uh, the city of Ephesus itself. We have the book of, of Ephesians uh, that is about the church of Ephesus. We have the chapter number 19 and book number Acts and when Paul founded the church. We have the Bible, First uh, Timothy, where, where Timothy was a pastor of the church in Ephesus. So we know a lot of things about this church, but it represents a time period as when the disciples was on this earth and when the apostles was on this earth and, and up until about 100, 150 A.D. And it was a great church. Matter of fact, as, as we're going to look into it, he's going to uh, approve of this church. He's going to list some things about this church. And, and I'm not going to preach those things, but I want to use them as a means of introduction as we begin to talk about this church in the city of Ephesus. It was a great church. Not, there were seven churches, and they ended in, uh, in Revelation chapter number 3. And then in Revelation chapter number 4 is when the rapture takes place, Amen. and the church is taken out of here. The church is never mentioned again after Revelation chapter number 4, right at the very beginning of it. But here we're going to see, let's go ahead and read the, what, Paul, what is said to John by the angel of the Lord about the church in Ephesus. Won't you stand with me as we read the Word of God? 
But when we come down to verse number verse number 4, I'd like for y'all to pause for one moment and then let's read it out loud together. The Bible says in verse number 2, verse number 1, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the golden, seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works. So he's beginning to brag right here on this church. He says, And thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles and are not found, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Let's read verse 4 together. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And he continues on. Remember, therefore, <clears throat> from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the, word, the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which also I hate. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the of paradise of God. Now, I'm, for time's sake, there's no way I can cover everything about this, this, this letter written to the church of Ephesus. Paul wrote, I, mean, John, I don't know why I keep saying Paul. Maybe I need to just change his name to George or something here. But John wrote this. And uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and as he is writing it, <clears throat> he is writing the letter really to the pastor of that church, and he has given him some instructions. So if I was going to preach a, going to preach a series of messages on this church, and I could, uh, he says here in the very beginning part, he gives him an approval. Let's go ahead and pray so y'all can be seated, and I'll just stand. You know, in the Bible days, when Jesus was teaching, he would sit and everybody else would stand. While he preached. So I think that's what we'll do tonight. Is I'll sit while I preach and y'all stand. What do you think about that idea? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I ask you please now to anoint my thoughts. Fill me with your power. God, I pray that you bind the hands of Satan. Take away distractions and help me preach with power and boldness. Lord, I pray you use this message tonight. As a great way to kick off a revival, a series of revival meetings, Lord, God, concerning this subject of leaving our first love. Lord, I ask you this in Jesus' name, for power and liberty, in Jesus' name I pray, and amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Let me real briefly mention the things that the church had done right. The church had done right. It's all mostly written in verse number 2. He says, I know thy works. Knowing someone's works is saying, I know that you are sacrificially laboring. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there's not too many church members today that sacrificially labor. Matter of fact, in most churches, 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people, and I ought to be the other way around. They were sacrificially laboring. The second thing he, he says to him as a compliment, he says, I didn't see that you have steadfast in patience. 
He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. We need to be patient as we grow spiritually. He's given them some instructions here and some encouragement. <clears throat> and so he's sacrificially, they're laboring, they're steadfastly and patient. But then he tells them that you're a blessing because you're suppressing evil. Look with me, if you would, in verse number 2 again. He says, and thou canst not bear that which is evil. Isn't it a blessing for a church to hate evil? We can love the sinner, but hate the sin. You hate evil. You're, you're standing against evil. He's complimenting this church. Amen. Then he says to them, not only that, he says you have some spiritual discernment. In verse number 4, verse number 2 again, he says, And thou hast tried them, which say that they are apostles, and are not, yet they are liars. In other words, you have, you recognize people who are false teachers. Amen. You're recognizing some who say, Hey, can I tell you something? There's no apostles today. An apostle is someone who saw Christ in his risen state, state and was sent by him. All other, There's no such thing as an apostle today. And God gave them apostolic powers Amen. which come to an end at the end of the apostolic age which is the end of the first century. <clears throat> you recognize false teachers. You have spiritual discernment. Then he, his last compliment he gives them that you stand against false doctrine. Amen. Verse number 6 he talks about this. He says, but this thou, that, that thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitan. And the Bible tells us here that the Lord hates that too. Y'all see that? The Lord hates that too. And I tell you, if the Lord hates something, I'm going to hate that too. Amen. And he hates false doctrine. That's idolatry of the Nicolaitans. But then he gave them a great big, have you ever gone in maybe to your boss and he sits you down and tells you all the things that you've done good and he gets all done then he says, but <laughs> I have something else I want to tell you that is something that you need to work on. <clears throat> As I preached and taught this morning, we've always got something else we ought to be working on. And he gives him something here in, in our text in verse number 4. He says, I, first he approved, but now he's going to admonish. Nevertheless, that's the same word like as in but. Because, he said, but, whatever, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first... You know, we live in a generation in 2019 where people can't take admonishment. They can't take correction. They get offended when you correct anything. And it's, it's, a, it's an, you're trying to help somebody, you're trying to correct them. <clears throat> but I praise the Lord uh, that John, as he gave correction to this church, this church became strong. The Bible tells us that they left their first love. And you say, well, preacher, I don't understand. What does that mean that they left their first love? I'm going to read a verse to you over Matthew chapter 24. The Bible says in verse number 12, he says, and, being, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The love of many shall wax cold. Now, I'm not going to, I want to ask you to take your Bibles, leave your marker here in Revelation chapter number uh, 2, and go with me to John chapter number 21. John, I am still working on the introduction here. I'm not quite to the sermon yet. And so in John chapter number 21, I want you to look at an amazing passage of Scripture of something that took place. <clears throat> and as you're turning there, let me explain to you what this first love is. Jeremiah chapter number 2 was a, 
we read from Jeremiah and taught from there this morning. But I want to read a verse to you from there that Jeremiah talks about this very thing, about someone's first love. Your first love is your honeymoon type of love. You remember when you first fell in love with your spouse? Your boy, your, maybe they was your boyfriend or your girlfriend at the time and you was beginning to fall in love with each other and you had this Twitter-painted feeling. How many of y'all ever saw the Wicked Show Bambi? I mean, the, the show Bambi. And they get Twitter-painted. Y'all saw that? The old rabbit, old rabbit, he, he gets Twitter-painted. Old Bambi, he gets Twitter-painted. Even the skunk gets Twitter-painted. If a skunk can get Twitter-painted, Twitter-painted, twitter Twitter painted, anyone could get Twitter painted. <coughs> and this love that he is talking about here in this passage of Scripture is an espousal type of a love. A deep love that you have for someone uh, when you first get a honeymoon love, if you would. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11:2, a tender love of a bridegroom for his chaste virgin bride a tender love uh, that he has for his chaste virgin bride. <coughs> Jeremiah chapter 2. Let me read there for you real quick, if I can remember where I wrote that down. Uh, Jeremiah 2. We might not read there if I can't find it in a minute. <coughs> Let me step back here for a moment. It's an important passage of Scripture that I want to share with you. Jeremiah 2 and verse number 2. The Bible says, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thy espousal. Do you remember that love that you had when you first got married? That love that you had for that bride? This is the kind of love he's talking about. So when he's talking about this love, stay with me now, I'm going to have a lot to say here this, morning, this evening about this subject of love. I believe that love is the belt buckle problem with the average Christian. They just don't love God like they ought to. They love everything under the sun. <laughs> we do not love, we don't love the Lord like we should. That, that deep compassion. He says to this church in Ephesus, you have all these things right. My goodness, you're working hard. You're fighting evil. You're standing against false doctrine. You're, you're a strong church, but you've left. He's not saying they don't love each other. He's not saying you don't love the Lord. He's saying you have forgot to love the Lord with that first love. That espousal type Amen. of love, that deep compassionate love, that honeymoon love that you used to have back in the very, very beginning. <coughs> and that's what the problem was going on here. Uh, when a husband and a wife first get married, they have this passion for one another. They're excited to see each other. They love each other. And after a few years, she becomes his old lady. It used to be my sweetheart. Used to be my honey pie, my sugar baby. You know what I'm saying. Couldn't wait to see her. Huh? See, church, this is he's comparing this love that you used to have for Jesus to the love you used to have for that. Now, do you still love that spouse that used to be your sugar pie, your honey, honey, and you looked at her, you saw little bees and honeybees flying around her, and your heart was going, huh? Did you love her? Do you still love her? Oh, yeah, I still love her. But you forgot that first love. 
that compassionate, that first honeymoon type of love. <clears throat> you remember those days when you would go on a date with each other and you would go out and you'd go do something. You'd spend three or four hours together. You'd take her home and drop her off and then you would drive to your house and call her. Because you just couldn't get enough. Oh, i got to hear her voice one more time. Oh, makes me weak at the knees. Huh? You know what I'm saying. And the first time you kissed her, you like to faint it. Ah! Woo! That's better than snuff, not near as dusty. Amen, that's just good. Woo! Man, that was sweet. Mm. Mm. She's my honey. She's my sugar pie. <clears throat> I remember when every summer when I was a kid growing up, my grandparents and, and my aunts and uncles all lived in Nebraska. We moved to Kansas when, uh, in 1972. And uh, I'd go up there and stay every summer. And sometimes I'd just stay for a couple weeks. But I remember going up there and staying. And this was the days before. We don't have a lot of young people in here, so I don't have to explain this. But we used to write letters. I'd write my girlfriend a letter from Nebraska. And it'd take her two or three days to get it. And she'd write me back. And I'd tell her where I was going to be. And she'd write me back. And I'd get that letter. I couldn't wait. To, I'd run out the mailbox if she wrote me back. And, and, and uh, I was just excited to, to hear from her and to see her and to talk to her. And I wanted to, I wanted to have a, a, a relationship with her. It was a sweet, sweet time. <coughs> but after you're married for a while, hey, do you remember? Maybe I, I know ladies do this. Men don't do this. You'd get ready to go out with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you would wash your hair and you would, back in the, our day, you'd get that curling iron. Now, nowadays, people have curly hair and they straighten it. And people with straightened hair, they curl it, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and you'd take that curling iron, you'd fix that old hair. Remember those big old, big old feathers back on the sides? Y'all remember that? And then the, the ladies, they'd put on makeup, and I'm not against makeup. Some people need it. <laughs> you know, if the barn needs painting, paint it. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Some people would put on, they'd put on that makeup, and they'd look at themselves in the mirror, and their hair wouldn't be just right. And they'd mess with it a little while, and finally they'd get frustrated. They'd go back in the bathroom and rewash their hair. Are you with me? <clears throat> and they would rewash it and go through the whole process again. You know, as a, as a guy, you know, we'd wash our hair, brush our teeth, and comb it, and then put our cowboy hat on, not worry about it. Y'all with me? You know, but, but that's not what, you know, what, what, what was they trying to do? They wanted to impress the person that they had this deep honeymoon love for. And now, they don't even get out of their pajamas till noon. And they don't brush their teeth and they tie their hair. And they used to put on makeup. And I'm telling you, they haven't had a shower in three days. Are y'all with me? We have a lady on, a lady that, uh, forgive me for telling stories about bus kid parents, but we run buses and we have this one lady, we go pick up their kids and, 
and uh, we go visit them every Saturday morning. And <clears throat> she's married, and she'll answer the door, and we'll begin to speak, and she'll grin, and I'm almost sure there's something growing on the teeth. And she has a thicker beard than I do. You know, and she has the same clothes on every Saturday morning and noon. And she probably had them on since the last Saturday morning and noon. But do you think she looked like that, watch this, and act like that, and dress like that when she was trying to woo her boyfriend to be, her husband to be, because she had this deep love for him and she wanted to do for him. Y'all still with me. I'm not preaching on this love of husband and wife now, but it kind of works. Because this is what he's talking about. Amen. Left is first love. Do you remember when you first got saved? Amen. You couldn't get enough church. Hello? You couldn't get enough Bible. You used to sit on the front pew. Amen. Huh? You wanted more. Yeah. Couldn't get enough God. Amen. Couldn't get enough service. Yeah. What's happened? God hasn't moved. When I, we was going out, when we was first married, had a pickup. I've told this story many times, so she knows what's coming. <coughs> We're driving along, and in our car one day, you know, cars have consoles in the middle, right? When we was younger, cars didn't have consoles. They had a big seat in the front seat. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. You could put four people in the front seat, four people in the back seat, and everybody's sitting up and not be crowded. Well, we may have been a little smaller back then, but the cars were a whole lot bigger. <laughs> and she'd always sit right beside me. We're driving down the road in the pickup. We're driving down the road in my old car. And, and one day she said we used to sit close to each other in the car. And I said, well, I'm not the one that's moved. <laughs> I'm right where I was, still behind the wheel. <coughs> you scooted over. Can I tell you something? God's not the one that's moved. Amen. We've scooted over. I used to have this deep, compassionate, couldn't get enough Bible. I'm telling you, the book was open, was going on. Man, we didn't miss anything at church. We was excited. Man, it was paint night. We'd go to the church and paint. Even if all we got to do was watch the paint dry. We wanted to be in the house of God. Well, I mean, we was there for everything. We wanted to be around the Word of God. We wanted to listen to godly music all the time. Amen. We wanted to listen to preaching all the time Amen. on the tape player. Yeah. Everywhere we went. <coughs> What's happened? Netflix took over. Yeah. Something's happened. What happened to the church at Laodicea? I mean, at, at uh, Ephesus, you've gotten cold. Oh, you're obeying! My goodness, you have sacrificial labor. Yeah. We need to labor and serve Amen. God. You have you're standing strong against evil. Amen. We should stand strong against evil. Amen. We're we're taking a strong stand against false doctrines, and we should do those things. Amen. But how come? We don't have that honeymoon love for the Lord we used to have. Amen. Good. Has he changed? No. He hasn't changed. Amen. We become complacent. That's right. We don't appreciate what we have That's right. so often. 
that all right to sit there? I read this story about this guy. He was sitting there watching TV one day, and, and he is sitting there watching TV, and he, and he hears somebody at the door, and he goes and opens the door, and there's a man there with a $20 bill. He says, this is for you. He says, well, thank you. Oh, it's a blessing. Got 20 bucks. The next Monday, the exact same thing. Car pulls up outside. Somebody knocks on the door. He goes and opens the door. The man hands him $20. Wow. I, I can even say that backwards. Wow. I got this. 20 bucks. What a blessing. Sitting there on the couch, same time the following Monday, looking out the window. Y'all with me? Looking out the window. Here comes the car. Guy gets out and comes to the door. Knocks on the door. Gives him $20. This happened six weeks in a row. <coughs> the seventh week, the guy pulls up, gets out of the car, and goes across the street and knocks on the door. And he gives that guy 20 bucks. He goes, what? He runs the door, opens the door, and says, hey, that's my money. You know what happened? He didn't appreciate what he had. He needs to be thankful for the six weeks for $120 that he got. For that didn't belong to him. That was just given to him. We sometimes forget what the Lord has done for us. We become so busy in the work. We become so busy fighting evil. <coughs> and I think we should fight evil. We get so busy fighting false doctrine. And I think we should stand up against false doctrine. The Bible makes it clear that we should never come to a place in our Christian life where we leave our first love. Good. Hey, the same thing is true. If I'm doing marriage counseling, somebody comes into my office and they're having a fight, I'm going to say things like, when's the last time the two of you had a date? Yeah. Well, we've been married for 30 years. Why do we need a date for? Because you left your first love. Yeah. You left your first love. And we leave our first love. My wife's amen because she's wanting a date. You hear that? <laughs> amen. The problem is, lots of problems, but some of it has to do with the fact that we're so busy doing those other things. But the other problem is we have the wrong kind of love. Even that first love is the wrong kind of love. Now, I'm going to give you a little Bible lesson. Try not to get bored with this. I'll try not to make it last very long. But if you study the, the, the Bible, there's some words like in the Greek, and I told you I don't speak Greek, and I really don't. I do speak a little Spanish, though. I spoke some this morning. I said, see. Si. Huh? Y'all hear that? I also say, can say no. And taco, burrito, enchilada, and my favorite of all, cheese dip. Oh, <laughs> oh that's not a Spanish word, is it? <laughs> but I don't speak Greek, but I have done a little studying in this area. And there's some words in the Bible that don't translate differently. From, for an example, if I say to, uh, to brother, brother Blackie, I say, Brother, I love you. And if I turn to my wife and say, I love you. Can I tell you something? It's not the same love. And in the Greek, it's, there's three different words that mean love, but they only translate into English into one. 
One of them is the word eros. And it also translates to the English word as lust. That's a physical, sexual, desirous love. That's a lust. The, the second word is the word, uh, is the word uh, a fellow. And that's when I say, Brother Luke Blackie, I love you. And, that, and I mean it. For, I love you, brother. I appreciate you. I mean, it is a word, philo. That means it's a brotherly love. And the other word is agape. That's the love that God has for us, the love that you have for your spouse and your children, and times two for your grandchildren. <laughs> now, I said that to say this. In John chapter 21, Jesus comes up to the comes up to the ship and uh, Peter and the disciples are on the ship and Peter jumps off when he sees Christ and he swims to the shore and, and when he gets there Christ has fixed him some, something to eat and Jesus confronts John uh, uh, Peter in this passage of scripture and he begins to talk to him in verse number uh, 15 of chapter 21 of John. I'm, I'm going to hurry here. The Bible says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Pete, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto thee, Feed my lambs. And he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. It's like saying, Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And then Jesus says to him, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, you know, Lord, that I love thee. And he saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verse 17, and he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? He said unto him, lovest, excuse me, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Here's what the problem is, Christians. This passionate honeymoon love, our problem is the same problem Peter had. When Jesus says to Peter, Jesus says, Peter, do thou agape thou me? And Peter says, I brotherly love thee. I fellow thee. Now wait a minute, Peter. Do thou agape thou me? And Peter says, Thou knowest that I fellow thou thee. Oh, Jesus says, do thou agape thou me? And F Peter finally says, Thou knowest that I agape thee. Here's the problem. One of the reasons why we fall out of love with the Lord because our love is a brotherly love instead of an agape love. Amen. Amen. Most Christians love Jesus like they love their second cousin who they haven't seen in 10 years. Right. They do love that second cousin. And they will drive 10 hours to go to their funeral. And they'll drive maybe once a year to see them at a family reunion. But that second cousin is not their priority. But the person that they really love is their, their immediate family that lives right there with them. But that same kind of love ought to be towards the Lord and even, even more. Jesus says you ought to love him so much that the love for your family is like hate. And that, what that really means is we love our family so much so much, uh, so much, I mean, I love the Lord so much that, that our love compares to hate. If we could learn to, to, that what the word hate in that text means, love less. Do you realize that we're not supposed to love anything more than God? Amen. Not even your spouse. Amen. 
Are we supposed to not love our spouse? Of course not. We're, just not spo- we're not supposed to love football more than we love God. Amen. We're not supposed to love, you fill in the blank, money more than we love God. And what happens is we allow too many things to cause us to have a Philadelphia love for God. Hey, I love pizza, but can I tell you, I don't agape pizza. (laughs) I love football, and it's almost agape. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) man. Great minds think alike, my friend. Amen. Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed, right? Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm just preaching the book here. Preaching the book. Amen. Amen. (coughs) So go back with me to Revelation chapter number 2 and we'll wrap this thing up. So I really had two points tonight. And the first one was, was, the first one was admonition. He admonished. He corrected them. Hey, you have left your first love. That doesn't mean they quit loving him. And the reason why we leave that first love is because we love him with the wrong kind of love. That's the same thing that happens with a husband and wife. Sometimes the reason why they lose that first love is because that first love is only eros. Not eros. In a relationship between a husband and wife, it needs to be all three. Eros... Philo and agape. We need all three of them. (coughs) So what do we do? What can we do? Well, Christ makes an appeal to the church. He makes an appeal in verse number five. He says, he gives him, he gives him a you know, I love the Bible. I love God. God, he gives us commandments, and then he gives us a remedy, how to accomplish it. He says in verse, number, in verse number 5, he says right here, he says, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. The first thing we must do is we must remember. 